Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Thomas, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. Keep the music flowing. We'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi. Welcome to The Spark Parade, a show where I talk to amazing people about the art and culture that shaped their lives. I'm Adam Unz. Thanks, as always, for joining me. How are you holding up out there? Are you managing to keep yourselves busy and entertained? Are your spirits high or are you having a rough time? Either of those is perfectly reasonable and I think we're all fluctuating between stability and panic right now. I hope you're having more good days than bad ones, kids. Regardless, how does a little light distraction sound? I've got some for you. Coming up in a bit, you'll hear my de-fucking-lightful chat with Grammy-nominated vocalist, pianist, and songwriter Nicole Zoraitis about her love for fellow Grammy nominees Sarah Bareilles, Dolly Parton, and a little bit of Elton John thrown in for a good measure. I had so much fun talking to Nicole, and our conversation really did get my mind off of the chaos in the world right now, so I hope it does the same for you. Also, I'll remind you about this later, but... Treat yourself to listening to Nicole's music because her voice is insane. So good. So, so incredibly good. But before we get to all of that, let's talk a little bit about firsts. As you may have noticed, I ask all my guests if they can remember the first time they were aware of the artist or artwork that we're going to talk about. So I think as a result of that line of questioning, I've been thinking a lot about the first time I ever experienced different art forms. Some of them are impossible to pinpoint, like who can remember the first time they ever saw a painting or the first piece of music they ever heard. But I do have memories of some of the first experiences I had with art. I remember seeing a stage version of the children's book Babar at the Children's Theatre Company in Minneapolis. This was probably when I was like three. They had a working elevator in the show, and it was really loud, and it scared the shit out of me. And I have very foggy memories of one of the first movies I saw in the theater, and maybe even the first movie I saw, which was Robert Altman's Popeye. I can mostly just remember sitting on my parents' laps and that kind of scary but also exciting feeling of the darkness of the theater and the brightness of the screen. I also saw a lot of folk concerts with my parents when I was a kid, seeing people like Holly Near, but I have really clear memories of going to some of my first pop concerts to see the Pointer Sisters and the Jets at the Minnesota State Fair. For anyone not from Minnesota, the State Fair is a big fucking deal. It is, by some metrics, the biggest state fair in the country, and it's full of junk food, rides, farm shit, and weird, folksy regional stuff. They crown a beauty queen named Princess Kay of the Milky Way, 
and the winner sits in a fucking freezer and has her likeness carved in a giant block of butter. You cannot make this shit up. And that's not a digression, that's context. Think of all that shit happening around me and imagine that it's 100 degrees Fahrenheit and a million percent humidity with tons of mosquitoes and I'm sitting in an open air venue listening to June Pointer say, we wanna do a little country song for you as a means of introducing slow hand. I have a weird knack for remembering tons of crazy details that no one else remembers. So part of this is just bragging about my sharp memory. But outside of that, what does all of this mean to me? It means that those first experiences are burned on my brain and they set me up for this lifetime love affair with the arts. And I think that's why I like to push myself to explore new art forms and new genres. I love that feeling of wonder, that feeling of discovery that comes from learning about something or experiencing it for the first time. Most of us have a lot of unexpected time on our hands right now, so let's all focus our energy on something positive when we have the energy and the brain space to push ourselves a little. Check out some art you've never tried before. Give yourself that excitement of discovery from the confines of your home, and hopefully, Sometime in the future, when all of this is done and we can return to some version of normality, you'll have a sharply focused memory of your own of the first time you tried something that you later came to love. And scene. That wasn't too taxing, was it? Or was it? Either way, it's done now. Yay! Now, why don't we dig into the main event? Here comes my chat with Nicole Zoraitis about Sarah Bareilles, Dolly Parton, and Elton John. So, why don't we start with Sarah Bareilles? Do you remember where you first heard about her or where you first encountered her music? Let's see. So, I think 2007 is when she came out with her first record. So, that was my... Uh, final year of college at NYU. And I was an opera major, of all things, um, at NYU, even though now I'm a jazz songwriter and pianist. But I heard Love Song. And as a person who loves the voice and was studying voice technique and pedagogy and the way that the voice works, hearing a voice like hers in the pop world really took me by surprise because she has an incredible instrument and she was playing the piano. So as someone who was trying to find themselves, at, you know, just about to finish college, she was the ultimate artist for me to look up to. So she came at the perfect time for me in my life. Yeah. And I think that kind of intersection between, I think, you know, college is a pretty pivotal, transformative time for most people. And then also just having that intersection between like this period of your life where you're going through a lot of changes anyway, and then also having someone who whose music is speaks to you directly and, and, and you know, your music is your career as well. Um, so I'd assume uh, that that particular time was uh, quite impactful. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the, the pop music world, Back in the 60s, 70s, or even in the great American songbook days, 20s through the 50s, all, the music used to be full of tons of chords and harmonic changes and different um, structural through composed melodies. And then I felt like the pop that I was listening to in the late 90s into the 
early to mid 2000s was just a lot of four chord loops. Um, so to hear Sarah Bareilles peek her head through the pop world with an entire song based on like different structural harmonic changes, a true bridge and a true intro and lots of different chords. That was like very exciting for me as a young nerdy musician, just trying to wrap her head around the music industry. Yeah. Yeah. And I think her music, you can, you can hear the influence of things like the great American songbook that, that kind of not just in the purity of her tone, but also in, you know, there are certain songs where she's doing these multiple part harmonies where she's singing all the parts and the complexity of the music itself. And then the lyrical content, like storytelling, um, really painting a picture for the audience, um, yes. all, all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it all feels like that's drawing on the tradition of American songwriting throughout the, the 20th century. For sure. For sure. Oh, yeah. So she was a breath of fresh air in the pop world. And also just to get back to her, her vocal technique, because she wasn't that, that much old. You know, she's, I think she's 40 now. She's only about, you know, five or six years older than me. And I also loved seeing her as not the bleach blonde, highly photoshopped or molded and branded artist that we were kind of being pitched like the Britney Spears era, et cetera, et cetera. Like I said, I love pop music. And I have all the respect for that. But as someone who was going through an awkward phase, trying to discover themselves in college, feeling like everything that, that I was being fed as a woman and looking at, at the magazines and the MTVs and everything was just like sex appeal and being uh, almost, I don't know, fucking sex symbol if you if you wanted to be a, a female artist. To, but to see Sarah Bareilles just being like, I am going to play the piano and I am going to crush it. I wrote this song and this is what I look like. I have brown hair and no, I don't have like highlights <laughs> and I'm not wearing like a low tight dress. I'm just like wearing a beautiful you know, classy outfit and my music is speaking for itself. So that was really important to me to see that in a very vulnerable time. So I'm super grateful for her to have existed during that time. Yeah, definitely. And I think that uh, idea of image, you know, different artists in, in different parts of the music industry are probably going to go for different things. Their image probably means something different to them in, in relation to their music. And seeing someone who's just like a singer songwriter who is, you know, still conscious of her image, but she's wearing things that are like uh, a normal person wearing nice clothes instead of wearing a costume. <laughs> right. um, and uh, that it's, it's a, a way to me, at least to focus the uh, energy of the performance on the performance itself, on the songs that she's singing, on her voice, on her musicianship, instead of having it be about elaborate pyrotechnics and, and all of that kind of stuff, like distracting you from something and instead of wanting you to, to focus on, on uh, what she's got on offer, which is, which is what the focus should be on. Well, you know, it's funny because I also, you know, another artist that I love and have an incredible respect for is Dolly Parton. She's another multifaceted artist. And she is only someone that only now I've gotten a chance 
to really delve into her and really discover what a deep, deep artist she is. And so for, for Dolly, she, you know, she wrote, I will always love you and nine to five and the Jolene, et cetera. But a lot of people, including myself, especially back when I was in high school and college, only saw the the public persona that she was portraying, the, the bleach blonde hair, the, the super tight dresses, people were always talking about, are her boobs real? Are they not real? How is that a thing? Like, that's all they would talk about. They weren't talking about her artist. But I've been reading articles about her, and she's the complete opposite of Sarah Bareilles. She did an interview with Barbara Walters, and Barbara Walters was pretty much like saying, like, why do you dress so so ridiculous? Don't you don't you dislike the fact that people are making fun of you? And Dolly was like, you know, I have the luxury of being secure in myself. So if I want to get bedazzled and do my hair, it's because I'm secure in myself. And this is just I can do whatever I'd like. So she is like the complete opposite that I also respect. Like I love an artist that 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 can wear a costume. But I think for me, both Dolly Parton and Sarah Bareilles are are songwriters. So no matter what they do, I feel like they are truly in control of their artistry. And that gives young women or men or anyone so- someone to look up to, whether or not they choose the Cerebrellis route, which is like, this is my authentic self. This is what I look like. This is like, like we said before, I'm wearing a, a nice outfit for a human being. <laughs> or Dolly Parton, who is like, I'm going to wear a costume because I don't give a crap. Because I'm the bomb. Yeah. You know, both things work for me. But I, I think the, the defining characteristic for both of them is that they write their own music. So they have a lot of control and they're not fully being pushed around by their label or their management, etc. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting thing, that comparison between Dolly Parton and Sarah Bareilles, that they are both being their authentic selves. And the the thing with Dolly Parton is that wearing those costumes, looking the way that she did. She was cultivating an image, but that was not necessarily a a benefit to her. That was kind of a a detrimental to her career. People didn't take her as seriously because of the way that she looked. And she still was just like, fuck you, this is me. And I like looking like this. This this makes me happy. I'm not doing this to try and get ahead or get attention. I want, you know, this this is how I feel comfortable and this is how I want to look. So, you know, if that affects my music in any way, I am happy to deal with those consequences because this is me. And obviously it worked out for her. Yeah, <laughs> so, it sure did. <laughs> um, yeah. And just, just thinking about, it's just different approaches. It's like, it, it, it doesn't really matter how that message is conveyed as much as what the message is and the way that they get the information out to their fans and out to the rest of the world is not like beside the point. That's a part of the picture as well, but it isn't like there's one specific formula that's going to work for everyone. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you asked me to be on the show because I started thinking like, what, what does, what matters to me as like a songwriter who has kind of struggled to be in this industry for the last 12 years and I started thinking about people that I look up to and people that have gotten a bad rap that are extremely deep and amazing artists. And so I'm really glad that you asked me that question because Sarah Bareilles and Dolly Parton both write iconic, incredible songs. And they're both, you know, jack of all trades, a master of all, master of all, I would say, (laughs) rather than master of none. 
Yeah. Do you have memories of like being, I, I know you said you've kind of had a, a, a later in life appreciation for the uh, true uh, depth and breadth of Dolly Parton's output, but do you remember becoming aware of her music as a kid? I'm assuming, you know, I, I'm, she's, she's been around uh, a lot longer than either of us. <laughs> um, right. When I was young, and like I said, the only thing I was being pitched was um, her image and how 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 ridiculous she she looked like I was told that that was something that I should be looking down upon by the by by the media like oh Dolly Parton the first thing you think of is boobs that's ridiculous that's such a ridiculous mm. thing and I can admit that because that's that's what I was fed at like a young vulnerable age so I'd say like the first song I ever heard her do was islands in the stream probably mm, i wouldn't yeah. say that it like took took my breath away however the song that did take my breath away was i will always love you sung by whitney houston and mm -hmm. back then when i first heard i will always love you i certainly was not thinking to myself who's the songwriter of this i must be whitney houston herself because She's singing it. You know, people don't think about who actually penned the melody and lyric um, on a general basis. They're just listening to the artist who's slaying it. So when you hear I will always love you, even to this day, people will say to me, can you sing I will always love you by Whitney Houston? But it's no, it's actually as sung as sung by Whitney Houston. Right. So now I'm able to realize Dolly Parton really affected my life when I was, you know, I don't know, I remember when The Bodyguard came out, but when I was young and that song touched me to my core, um, not just the way Whitney Houston sang it, but also the entire premise, the melody of that song. And that was penned by Dolly Parton. So that, so that's probably the first experience I had with her. But then I had a life-changing experience with Dolly Parton truly 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I had just gotten dumped. No, tw 11 years ago, was dumped, was in between living in New York and I had just traveled Europe and I had been dumped in Europe. You know, that was pretty horrific. I thought I was going to move there. It just wasn't a thing. <laughs> so I came back. I went to Martha's Vineyard for two weeks and I had a friend there because I had lived on Martha's Vineyard the year before that during the summer with no car and I was uh, a hostess at a restaurant. So I went to go visit a friend that I had made there and we were driving and I was feeling sad. And she goes, have you ever heard the song Jolene by Dolly Parton? And I was like, no, I've never heard it. Because I had just told her about my situation that happened in Germany when I had been dumped um, by someone who left me to be with like another person. And and she she said, you got to listen to this. You got to listen to this. So we were driving, like looking at the ocean and she played me Jolene by Dolly Parton. and. I just remember being like, wow, these lyrics are hitting me right in my soul. Please, <laughs> can I drive this car yeah. into the ocean? Because <laughs> <Yeah, Yeah. laughs> this feels like shit. But then I was like, huh. <clears throat> so uh, I went back to Connecticut, which is where I'm from originally. You know, I had no plan. I was heartbroken. And I, um, I had just kind of started learning how to play the piano for real, not just in a basic way. So I was kind of noodling around at the piano and I, I thought of Jolene. And so all I could really play was, was like the white notes on the piano in like an in-depth way. Like all the black notes were just a little too intimidating for me at the time. So in the key of D minor, I just kind of started 
noodling around. And I've always played by ear, so I was playing noodling, noodling, noodling. Came up with this kind of like weird, modal, very dark chord progression to go with Jolene by Dolly Parton. So I started playing that. I moved to New York City about two months later. And uh, I was struggling to figure out what the heck I was doing. I had like a gig. And then I was, I found a hostessing job in New York as well. But I also met um, a great drummer. and His name is Dan Pugach. So him and I became friends. He found me a, a band. We started playing music. I had a crush on him. <laughs> he did not have a crush on me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fine. And as we started to book more shows, you know, I'm kind of a gypsy. I've never I've never been able to like write out my music uh in musical notation form. I wrote everything in chord form, like kind of like a guitar player would read, and I would explain things uh audibly and orally rather than, you know, physically writing it down like most musicians. So I was too lazy or intimidated to write my arrangement of Jolene down. So I would just play it solo at shows and people would come up to me afterwards and say, wow, that was really heartbreaking. And I'd be like, yeah, trust me. I know <laughs> Like it's I, I'm channeling what she was saying in the song. I'm begging you, please don't take my man into my own personal experience. So then Dan, who got this, this drummer who was playing in my band, and also we were becoming really good friends. He started playing duo with me on this song, on the shows, because he had heard it so many times. So he is originally from Israel and he would play kind of like a hand percussion that had a little bit of a Middle Eastern vibe along with me playing the piano and singing this version of Jolene. Now let's fast forward about five years from then. And Dan and I are still playing this show, uh, this song, but we're playing it at bigger theaters and different venues. And, uh, you know, at residencies in New York City, because we've established ourselves. And Dan also has formed a 10-piece band where I'm the 10th person, but it's a nine-piece ensemble called the Dan Pugach Nanette. And I would sing. And so, surprise, surprise, Dan and I are now dating. <laughs> and we've been, <laughs> we've been together at this point on and off for four or five years. And... We're not engaged yet, but he knew that my mother's favorite song that I sang was Jolene. And so he decided to surprise me and her by taking my arrangement of Jolene and rearranging it for his nine-piece ensemble. So six horns, bass guitar and voice, or bass piano, drums and voice. So he surprised me with this in a big performance in Connecticut in front of like all my hometown, you know, friends and family. And from then he was like, I'm going to make a record. And I had just made a record and released our duo version of Jolene. And he's like, I would like to release our 10 piece ensemble version. So he releases that, you know, he fully funds that we get engaged, we get married. He releases the album in 2018. Oh, God, I don't know. I'm really bad with anyways. And <laughs> I became a member of the recording academy. And I told him, I think we should submit Jolene for best arrangement. And he was like, you're so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, we're independent artists. This is not a thing. And I said, I don't know. I just have a feeling that we should just do it. And so I submitted us as independent artists to the Grammy Awards for best arrangement, instrument and vocals. 
he also submitted for Best Large Ensemble and all this other stuff. But uh, last December, December 2018, we woke up at like on a Friday morning to like 100 texts being like, you guys got nominated for a Grammy. So <laughs> it was like uh, Dolly Parton. That was the long story of how Dolly Parton has affected my life. <laughs> I owe her my life at this point because especially during this coronavirus epidemic pandemic where we're all sitting inside questioning our sanity and whether or not music is going to continue i'm at least going well thank you god dolly parton for writing jolene so i can at least say i have a grammy nomination yeah yeah otherwise Amazing. i don't know what i would be doing i would just be like i'd walk into the ocean i don't know <laughs> i keep talking about <laughs> walking into the ocean i gotta stop yeah <laughs> hopefully hopefully we're not quite there yet no um, not, not but, uh, yet not yeah. yet <laughs> good god uh, was, I, was that a really long story am i allowed to, to go off was, on tangents like that absolutely and that was an amazing story so uh, isn't that crazy don't, don't, uh, yeah it's it's uh, <laughs> totally totally insane and i think that is the clearest most direct link that anyone who has ever been on this show has been able to uh, make between an artist and their own life. So I'm, I, that is like boiling down the essence of this show into one story. I'm very appreciative of that. Great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry it took me to be on the show to realize what the purpose of my, of, of what I was talking about was, but yeah, that she, if it wasn't for Dolly, I mean, I write music, my husband writes music, we arrange music, we we compose we perform music that's what we do but something about mm -hmm. a song penned by another woman back in the 60s struck such a chord with me that i had to make my own version of it but still true to her melody and that version struck a chord with somebody else that he had to rearrange it for like a large ensemble and that has now changed our lives hopefully for the better as long as the music industry continues <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so that's 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 why Dolly Parton matters to me. Yeah. And I think without getting too uh cheesy, it it really is a testament to the power of music. It's like, you know, knowing that one song can have such a profound effect on someone that it actually literally does change the course of your life. But even just having those kind of musical touchstones, I think everybody has those things, um, whether it's in music or books or whatever, that there are these uh, particular pieces of art that really stand out because they, you know, represent a certain time in your life or, you know, you uh, were engaging with them when something really important was happening to you or whatever. But um, in this instance, just having that be like the seed of it coming from your friend just going like, oh, you should listen to this song because it's, uh, you know, basically the same as the uh, terrible breakup that you're going through. And having that grow into this huge life-changing event is pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah, it is. I'm very thankful that she wrote that song because it helped me through a big time. And now it's helping me through a completely different time. So um, it's yeah. funny, last year she was being the same year that we were at the Grammys we were hoping to win she was also being honored and so music cares is this foundation that uh uh supports uh musicians in need 
So uh, if if you have like a medical emergency, et cetera, it also helps with education and a lot of excellent things. And also they're doing fantastic things for the COVID-19 crisis. So I don't know if there are musicians that who are, who are listening, if this is still going on, you know, you can apply for grants through Music Cares mm. um, specifically for the COVID-19 crisis. And uh, it's a pretty amazing thing that they have going on. So Dolly Parton was being honored last year. And Dan, <laughs> Dan and I, who were married at the, well, we still are married. We, we <laughs> went up to the, when we had to go get our tickets to, you know, our like nominee ticket. There was a door to pick up your ticket. And then there was also like a door right down that said, pick up your cares for music cares ticket. And so we went (laughs) after we picked up our nominee tickets, we went over to the music cares line and then we were like, hi, um, how much are tickets for the uh, Dolly Parton thing? They're like, well, it's sold out, but they're like two thousand dollars a ticket. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, well, um, we arranged one of Dolly Parton's songs. Can we come anyways? They're like, no, you cannot. You cannot come. <laughs> and and then Dolly Parton of all years at the Grammys, after we had been nominated for singing her song, for arranging her song, sang Jolene at the at the Grammys. Oh wow. Isn't the wildest Crazy. thing with her with her godchild, her god goddaughter, Miley Cyrus, who also stole our limelight on the red carpet? True story. <laughs> She came out of the woodwork when Dan and I, you know, we're both, we live in Brooklyn. We live in a slumlord apartment. We're busting our tails. That's what we do. We, we tour, we perform live at uh, clubs in New York city. We tour with our 10 piece ensemble. We tour with my ensemble. You know, you know, we're like grassroots independent artists, like chomping at the bit doing music. So like when we're on the red carpet at the Grammys, we're like, this is the best thing ever. And then we get to the part where there's the photographers and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have my first ever Getty image. This is so exciting. I'm just, you know, I'm going to have one of those fancy red carpet shots with the Grammy thing in the background. We didn't win. You know, we had already known that we had lost at that point because the, the ceremony that we're part of what had already happened, but we didn't give a shit. Mm. We just, we were just like, we're on the red carpet. Look, there's a, there's that famous person. There's that famous person. We step onto the red carpet in front of the photographers. We hear like two clicks and all of a sudden somebody moves us over and, and we hear Miley, 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 (laughs) Miley (laughs) Cyrus comes out from like, like a cloud and all the photographers just turn their, freaking uh cameras to that we don't have a single get we don't have a single getty image which is oh. hilarious <laughs> so now miley. Just, oh miley i was like you bitch um yeah but, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah i was um i was too just shocked by the whole thing but next time if that was to ever happen, I'd be like, uh, no, this is my moment. <laughs> yeah. When I go back to my third floor walk-up apartment, um, I want to at least have a photo that I was here. So get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we, now we really want to come back. And uh, so we're, we're working on, you know, like trying to put out more content that is, you know, our goal would be to go back. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would be amazing. I hope that happens. In the interest of time, perhaps we should have a, a little moment for Sir Elton John. Ooh, yeah. Uh, 
you know, just just uh, to briefly touch on an artist who really hasn't uh, had a, a big output or anything. There's not a lot to say about him, so I'm sure we yeah, can cover I, this yeah. very very briefly. We can um, talk about uh, it quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, do you again like what? What's your experience of um, uh, getting into his music? Uh, I remember Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. I was I had the actual record, um, mm. and I and my 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 parents had a record player, and so that was probably one of the first records that I wore down and. Mm-hmm. Again, not you know, just from like a purely musician standpoint, like his idea of harmony is is incredible, and his the way that he through composes music, it's you know, it's it's the it's the same lines as like Billy Joel or Led Zeppelin or Queen. These are these are not just like four song, uh, four chord hooks. They're like fully through composed melodic. They got key changes they have different sections they have stories i mean everything about elton john just blew my mind um he can write anything from like crocodile rock which is just something that when i was you know 10 years old i remember just like running around tapping around the house just being like you know to something as epic as tiny dancer uh, to goodbye yellow brick road which is harmonically like really genius writing i mean I don't, I don't even know where to begin with him. So, yeah. um, and, and the three people that we've talked about so far, Sarah Bareilles and Dolly Parton and Elton John, they all also wrote musicals, um, right. or like, right. you know, film music. It's just, they do, they do it all. And I'm just, I, I'm so amazed. So amazed yeah. by them. Uh, did, there was a, um, a musical of nine to five, wasn't there like a stage musical? Yeah, and I think she yeah. starred in it. Yeah. Was there did she yep. write additional music for that? I am finding out now. I am googling it right now. But yeah, that's a funny coincidence. I um I hadn't even thought of that. But um yeah, all all people who uh took advantage of um moving their their music onto the stage as well. Um that's really funny. Oh yeah, she she starred as Dora Lee in the film as well as wrote and performed it. And performed the, the theme song. Mm. Um, and then she opened a musical adaptation of the story at Broadway on Broadway in 2009. And then she wrote all the music and lyrics in 2009 for the musical adaptation. And then she has four Tony Award nominations, 15 Drama Desk Award nominations, and a Grammy Award nomination just for that musical. Oh, my scene. God. Yeah. Yeah. Both Dolly Parton and, and Elton John as well, like just absolutely prolific output but especially dolly parton she's got like 50 albums i think something like that um something obscene yeah, yeah absolutely and then you know uh what's the song elton john he, he collaborated with tim rice the, mm. oh my god the film version of the lion king and then mm-hmm. aida and then good god it's just it's just unbelievable and then i saw waitress by sarah Bareilles for my uh for my birthday and her last performance on broadway i think that was two years ago or a year or a year and a half ago and that was another moment where i was going she's five years older than me i better write a musical <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's my quarantine goal yeah besides yeah. eating all the oreos yeah. i should write a musical yeah i think uh the 
universal uh, universally everyone is uh, spending a significant portion of the, portion of their time on snacks but um choosing how, <laughs> how you spend the rest of your time uh yeah why not uh, write, write a fu- future uh, tony award winning musical perfect okay good i'm glad that you were able to help me get to my my newest goal yeah i mean just add that to you know you're going to go back to the grammys and you're going go to the grammys <laughs> as well i think you know yeah yeah grammys and tonys yeah, you've got time. Um, just yeah, <laughs> make it happen. Less Oreos, more com- more composing. Though, even though I'm afraid to go to the grocery store now, so I can't actually yeah. get any more Oreos. So it's yeah. probably for the better. Yeah, seriously. I, the, uh, although I'm finding that when I do go to the grocery store, I'm like, I just need all the snacks. I need to make sure that I have every snack that I could possibly need over the next few weeks. So, <laughs> um. Great. I, I feel uh, extremely satisfied. I think this has been a nice overview of uh, the music that has inspired you. So I am, I'm very happy. If people who are listening to this would like to find out more about what you've got coming up next when you've got stuff coming up, um, is social media the best way? Or Yeah, absolutely. I am. Um, my website is NicoleZMusic.com. Uh, my name is Nicole Zoritis, so NicoleZMusic.com. Um, I have a new album that's coming out in June called All Wandering Hearts. Uh, and during the quarantine, I'm also giving songwriting workshops and I'm doing like a live piano bar stream on Fridays where people can like get drunk with me and sing Billy Joel and Elton John and Sarah Bareilles and Dolly Parton songs. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's mostly for my own mental health. <laughs> but uh, Nicole Z Music on Instagram and Facebook.com slash Nicole Z Music. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, so thank you so much. This was so wonderful. Um, I, I really appreciate you making time for me. Are you kidding me? Thank you. Uh, first of all, I have copious amounts of time. But... <laughs> I, this was a highlight of my week. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Take care. Really appreciate you, Adam. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. See, isn't she great? Thanks again to Nicole for talking to me and keeping me entertained. And I'm telling you again, check out Nicole's music. That voice, guys, so clear and strong and just utterly amazing. Check it out. And now for some other recommendations. Firstly... An old college friend posted a song by Estero on social media the other day, and I haven't thought of her music in a long time. She's a Canadian singer and songwriter, and I used to be obsessed with her first album, which is called Breath From Another. I've been listening to it a lot this week, and it's very 90s, but still so, so great. So give it a little listen if you want a taste of my misspent youth. And then you should also get into Club Quarantine. It's one of the many online clubbing events happening right now, and it's so much fucking fun. It's a Zoom event that's every night at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, New York Time, and people are getting dressed up like they're actually going to a club. And it's so much fun seeing people dancing around their apartments with their friends and just having the time of their lives, even with the restrictions we're all living with right now. And the music is great, and there are little shows thrown into the mix occasionally, so check it out too. I've linked to it in the show notes. There is another thing called Club Quarantine, and there's some O Magazine, like Oprah Magazine article about it, saying that Michelle Obama and Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders have all taken part. That is not the thing that I'm talking about. So check out the link that I put in the show notes. That's what you want to see. And... 
that's all I've got for you right now. As always, please follow me on social media at Spark Parade and rate and review the show because that really, really helps. And then just have a great week. Look after yourself. Stay safe. Stay home and wash your motherfucking hands. Until next time. Bye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.